Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. I want to ask if you would to take your Bibles this morning and open them with me to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4 for this morning's message and for our time together here today. If you are new to church or new to the scriptures, the words will be here on the screen. You don't have to fumble through your Bible if you, you don't have that today. As we gather together this morning and we begin to open God's Word and look to what He has for us today, we've been going through a sermon series here over the past month called Failing Forward. And we have found that there is much hope and grace and mercy for how God works in our lives, even in the midst of times of failure. But as the events of this past week unfolded, it became loud and clear that that is not the direction that we were going to go today. In fact, Tuesday afternoon, as things were unfolding, I had several pastors in my office and I said, guys, I think the Lord is leading us to change direction for this Sunday. Pray with me about it. And then the very next day, they all responded back, absolutely, we're completely in agreement. I think there's a message that God wants us to hear this morning, a message of encouragement, a message of hope, a message of instruction for what to do in this moment and time. The reality is, is that every single one of us in some way, shape, or form have been impacted by the events that have unfolded this past week. Whether it be the young children who were in their schools in the middle of the lockdowns and the shutdowns to to literally being in the corners of the rooms anticipating the unknown, or whether that being the college students and the workers at Bridgewater College who were facing their worst nightmare, or whether that be the law enforcement officers who were running right into the scene of danger, or, or even the community at large as we realize the uncertainty of that moment that we have this place of such uh, closeness and such a relationship and affection, frankly, and in, and in such a tight-knit, safe area. It's in moments like this that we're reminded that evil is real. It's in moments like this that we realize that there are situations and circumstances in our lives that are out of our control. But I believe beyond all those things, what God is also wanting to remind us in the moment is this. Jesus brings peace. Jesus brings peace. There are hardships and difficulties, circumstances and storms, trials and adversities that we all face in life. They are a part of the human experience, the human existence here in this fallen world. And yet in the midst of them all, because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, he can give peace to any heart, any life, any home, anyone who's willing to recognize who he is and trust in him. In Mark chapter four, we see a very familiar passage of scripture. You've probably heard these verses before. If you've been to Crosslink for almost four years, you can also go back and look and realize that about four years ago, I preached the sermon from this exact passage of scripture. But I believe there's something in this that God doesn't want us to miss in this moment for such a time as this. If you're physically able, will you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word as we look together at Mark chapter four, beginning in verse 35, down to verse 41, the Bible says this. On that day when evening came, he said to them, that's Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. 
There arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him, teacher, listen to this statement. Do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your mercies that are new today and your grace that is sufficient for every need. God, I pray through these words of scripture today that you would speak words of encouragement, words of hope, words of instruction, and words of life into our lives today. Be glorified in this time together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Jesus brings peace. This morning in Mark chapter 4, in the first 34 verses of the text, Jesus has been teaching the disciples and frankly a larger crowd that had gathered together about one primary lesson, one primary importance. He'd been talking about parables and he'd been using illustrations as he's describing the kingdom of God, but his entire purpose was to bring them to one key lesson and that lesson was this. You must have faith. You must have faith. The way to be a part of the kingdom of God, the way to experience the reality of heaven, the way to be a part of what Jesus is calling us to has one primary means, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. The first 34 verses is like, if you will, the master teacher looking at the disciples and he's giving them lessons on faith that they need to hear and understand and apply. But a wise teacher knows you can't just teach lessons. A wise teacher knows that through experience, people can often learn far more than they ever could just by listening to the lesson in a classroom. And so Jesus here in Mark chapter four, as the chapter comes to a close, he goes from teaching the lesson to now bringing them to an experience that requires life application. They've heard about faith. They think that they have faith, but now literally in the midst of a storm, God is testing their faith. And it's there in the midst of this storm that I believe God wants us to focus and kind of park for a moment today to realize that yes, every single one of us in our life, we all face storms. Now there are some physical storms that we face in life. I imagine that most of us have lived long enough today that we have faced a thunderstorm or maybe even a snowstorm. I grew up in Alabama where the storms that we were most common and familiar with were not only thunderstorms, but were tornadoes. And I remember growing up in Alabama, you could always tell the, the tornado because of the way that the clouds were gathering, and almost instantly we'd begin to hear those sirens. They would go off loud and clear as a, as a warning to us, listen, you need to hunker down, you need to get safe, it's not good, the storm is coming. Even today with all of our technologies, we know to anticipate those storms because we can watch the news and we can watch the Doppler radar. We can even get texts now on our phone. Hey, something bad is coming. But there are also other storms, proverbial storms, so to speak, storms of uncertainty, adversity, challenges in our life, but they don't come with much warning. We don't have the siren blaring, telling us to, to, to take shelter. We, we don't have the text message saying, listen, the bad news is just around the corner. And yet, as we live our life in this fallen world, we all face these storms. We get the news of the bad doctor's report. 
We get the phone call that we never wanted to receive. We get the order to shelter in place because of something that's unfolding that we're uncertain of in the moment. We, we have the loved one that passes away. We experience the, the pain and the hardship of a miscarriage or the loss of a grandchild or the loss of a grandparent. We face these storms in our life. And so often those storms come up suddenly like the disciples experienced here in Mark chapter four. And as a result, they can often leave us shocked. They can leave us overwhelmed or stunned or numb or angry or hurt or disappointed or heartbroken and so much more. Have you ever been there? Are you there today? I believe God has a message of hope, a message of encouragement, a message of life in the midst of our storms that he wants us to hear this morning. For Mark chapter four, I want us to see loud and clear four simple observations about Jesus bringing peace. The truth of the matter today is that we do not experience peace by pulling up our bootstraps and getting to work. We don't experience peace by simply growing in our knowledge or focusing on our experience or we don't experience peace by focusing on our skills and abilities, our power to make decisions or make money. No, no, no. There's one key to peace and his name is Jesus. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you so that in me, everybody say in me, that is in Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us a fact loud and clear. In this fallen sinful world where Satan is the prince and power of the air, you're going to face tribulations and difficulties, storms of adversity. But there's another truth, and that truth is this. Jesus has overcome the world so that we might have Jesus, and in having Jesus, we have peace. Four things I want you to see about Jesus in the midst of the storm. Number one, I want you to see that we have his promise in the midst of the storm. Jesus has given a word of promise to the disciples here in Mark chapter four that sounds simple and it sounds subtle and it's easy to miss it, but this word of promise should give us hope today. Listen to what he says in verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to where? To the other side. Now think of it for just a moment. The crowd has been with Jesus all day long. Some have come out of curiosity to find out who this guy is. Some have come because they're adventurers and thrill seekers. They wanna see what miracle he's gonna do next. Some have come because they believe in Jesus and they wanna learn more and they wanna grow even more. Now the day has come to an end. Jesus sends the crowd away and then he looks at the disciples and frankly, he does something odd. He says, guys, I know it's nighttime. I know the Sea of Galilee is six miles wide in its deepest point. I know it's not uncommon for there to be a storm on the Sea of Galilee that can be frightening. And most of those storms come at night, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in the boat. I'm sure if I were the disciples and maybe you, I'd be like, whoa, 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 wait a second, Jesus, what? Can't we wait till tomorrow? I mean, what's the hurry, Jesus? Why do we have to go through this now? Why does this have to unfold this way? But Jesus said, let us get into the boat. And here's the word and go to the other side. That simple and yet subtle statement was a word of comfort because it was not merely giving the instruction of the direction. What he's saying to the disciples is this, guys, we're gonna get to the other side. 
Now, Jesus didn't tell them all the details in this passage of scripture. He didn't say what the forecast was going to be. He didn't give them every step along the way. He didn't tell them about the storm. He didn't give them a 10-step process. This is not like Google Maps every turn, every 10th mile, okay? Here's what he said. Let's get in the boat. We're We're going to the other side. With that simple word, Jesus was giving an important promise that we need to be reminded of today. This promise that the Lord will take us through, he will carry us through, we will make it to the other side is important for this reason. When we face storms and trials in our life, the enemy, Satan, who's the accuser of the brethren, will lie to us and tempt us to doubt the truth of God. We begin to experience adversity. We begin to experience difficulty. We begin to experience hurt and pain and hardship. And instantly this enemy, Satan, begins to fill our mind with all kinds of lies. See, God must be mad at you. Look at how God's judging you. If God was so good and if God really cared, then he wouldn't allow this difficult thing to happen to you in your life. The enemy begins to fill our mind with all sorts of lies and all sorts of deceptions. But in this moment, we must be reminded we've got to get back to the truth. From the very beginning, God created Adam and Eve for the very purpose of having relationship with him and walking with him and knowing him and worshiping him. And in that relationship, God even warned them, don't eat of this tree. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't go this direction. Don't rebel against my will. Don't do your own plan because the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And yet Eve heard the temptation of Satan. Adam heard the temptation of his wife's voice and both willingly ate. They willingly disobeyed. They willingly went their own way instead of going God's way. And just as God had warned and just as God had stated, as soon as they sinned against God, the Bible says that sin entered the world. And as a result of that, death and disease and devastation of all kinds entered the world. Today, we live in a fallen, broken world that is marred by sin and its consequences. Today, we can look at any corner of the world and we can see the reality of wickedness and evil. We see it. And in moments like this week, we see it very clearly. But that reality is not because God is not, no longer good. That reality is not because God is judging us. That reality is simple reality because sin is in the world. And until sin is removed from this world, there will always be this death, disease, and destruction. That's why the Bible tells us Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, and he says, for he, God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What that means is living in this fallen, broken world means that we're all going to experience storms. We're all going to experience rain. We're all going to experience these challenges in our life. No one gets a free pass. But the other reason this promise, we're going to get to the other side, is important is for this reason. In our times of suffering, in our times of hurt and hardship, the enemy often convinces us that there is no hope, no comfort, no healing. It's often in those times when the storms come up, especially when they were unexpected, especially when we didn't see them coming. It's oftentimes those come up that that we get shocked and frankly, we get disoriented and we lose sight and we begin to think we're never going to make it through. I remember this past summer, I've shared with you a little bit, as my family and I went across the country, as we were coming back, as we were going, I think, through the state of New Mexico at this time, as we were driving, I'd never been in a dust storm before, but as we're driving along, suddenly a dust storm came up. And I'll just be honest with you, it was scary. 
We went from driving 75 to driving about 35 and could barely see anything in front of us. And I remember that dust was swirling all around us and we could hear the rocks hitting the windshield and my wife's looking at me like, what's going on? And I'm looking at her like, you better pray. And I remember thinking like, just keep going, just keep going, we'll make it through, we'll make it through. But after you're in that dust storm for like what feels like an eternity, you begin to wonder, is this thing gonna go away? And it's disorienting to, to where you're at and what's going on and how far you have to go. But I wanna remind us in those moments, Jesus looked at the disciples before they even faced the storm and here's what he said. I'm gonna get you through, I'm gonna take you to the other side. Some of us need to hear that this morning because the storms and trials at times come into our life and cause all sorts of emotions and concerns. We might feel like we may never make it out of the circumstance, that we can't move forward. We don't know how we're gonna make it. Is there gonna be light at the end of the tunnel? But I want to assure you today that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the Lord. He is the Prince of Peace. He has all power and all authority. And so long as you look to him and trust in him, he will carry you through. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 30, verses four and five. Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Listen to this. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. There may be some moments of adversity. There may be moments like today where we grieve and we hurt for our community and for our loved ones and we grieve ourselves in the midst of all this going on. We may have seasons that we weep literally through the night. But for all who trust in Jesus, joy comes in the morning. James chapter one says it this way. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Not giving up, not losing hope and losing heart, not despairing in that moment, but who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Friend, what I'm saying to you today is this. When Jesus is your Lord, you can have every confidence and assurance that even in the midst of the most violent of storms in our life, he will carry us through. And frankly, as I look at my life and I look at what God's done, I'm so grateful that every storm I have faced so far, God has graciously carried me through. But listen, there will come a day when I will probably face a final storm. And there will come a day unless Jesus comes back before then, when in that final storm, I breathe my last breath and my life on this earth is over. But even still, for all who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, guess what even still he will be doing in that moment? He will be taking us to the other side. But the other side is not the other side of a storm. It's the other side from this fallen world into glory in the very presence of heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The promise of the Lord is he's gonna take us to the other side. Number two, we have his promise, but we also have his presence in the midst of the storm. We have his presence in the midst of the storm. Verse 36, Jesus said, now let us go over to the other side. Verse 36, leaving the crowd, listen to this statement, they took him along with them in the boat, key phrase, just as he was. Now, Jesus gave the invitation and gave the instruction. Hey, guys, let us get in the boat and let us go to the other side. But with that invitation and instruction, the disciples now had a response. They could say yes to Jesus to go forward, or they could say no to Jesus. They could walk forward in faith, or they could delay in the moment. And the Bible says they got into the boat, and specifically, it says they took him 
just as he was. This little statement, just as he was, is a very clear reminder to us that Jesus is willing to get in anyone's boat. Jesus is willing to get in anyone's boat. He's willing to come alongside of any who will receive him as he is. Many people in our day-to-day who are like, try to make Jesus who they want him to be. Uh, Jesus was a prophet over here, and you know, if I do enough good, then that'll give me favor with God, and maybe I'll go to heaven. I, you know, Jesus is good over here, but really I want to live my life however I want to, and every now and then I'll try to feel good about what I'm doing. But the reality is, is that if, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, it means that you accept him as he is. I love the way that John Phillips says, he says something simple, he says this, Jesus is not going to change, but guess what? He will change us. Jesus in this moment has been ministering all day long and he's weary, he's tired from this day of teaching and this day of miracles and frankly, he's exhausted. And yet in this moment, they realize, the disciples did, they realize something. Because of the journey ahead, because of the unknowns that would unfold, because of who Jesus is, they would not dare take this journey without bringing Jesus with them. And so the Bible says they take him just as he is. They knew that Jesus was with them in the boat. They had every confidence and assurance of it because they took him. The reality is today is that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can have every confidence and assurance of Jesus's presence in your life. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never repented of your sins and confessed Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, then you may be aware of him, but his presence is not within you. When you put your faith in Christ, he comes to dwell within you. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 literally tells us that Jesus dwells in our hearts through faith. And here's the wonderful truth. When Jesus Christ comes to dwell within us, he does not abandon us. John chapter 14 verse 23 says it this way. Jesus explains, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Listen, and we will come to him and we will make our abode with him. That word abode literally means our dwelling place. In other words, when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we turn from our sin and we begin to trust Jesus that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again and we invite him to be the Lord of our life. The very moment we do that, Jesus comes into our life not to be a temporary tenant, but to be a permanent resident, to rule and reign as the Lord of our life. And that means many things about our relationship with God. And that means many things about his conviction in our life and our call to live a holy life. But in our times of suffering, this truth is especially comforting because it reminds us Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is with us. No matter what we face, no matter what the storm, no matter what the adversity, no matter what the grief, no matter what the pain, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Sometimes in the midst of our storms, when everything is going wrong and we're overwhelmed with grief and we're overwhelmed with discouragement, maybe even to that place of depression or despair, it's easy in those moments to question, God, where are you? God, I don't see you at work in my life. Where are you? I don't see how this leads to any good. Where are you? God, I'm hurting. I don't understand. Where are you? But I want to remind us in those moments for all who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, here's where he is. He's right here with us. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse five and six is it this way. Jesus himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? David understood and he said in Psalm 46, verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God speaks to the prophet Isaiah and here's what he says. He says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And my favorite of Isaiah 43, listen to God's promise. Do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. What I want you to see this morning loud and clear is that there are times, storms in our life that may cause us to question. There are storms in our life at times where we may lose sight of the presence of God, but in those moments, we must rest on the promise of God. He said he'd carry us through and the presence of God, he will never leave us or forsake us. There's a third truth we need to see in this passage of scripture, and that is this. In the midst of our storms, we have our problems in the storm. We have our problems in the storm. So far, everything we've seen in this pastor scripture is a word of encouragement. Jesus has promised, he's taken us through. He's given us his presence. He's right there in the boat with these disciples, even in the midst of the storm. But as we turn away from Jesus for a moment and focus on the disciples, things shift just a bit we suddenly began to see the problems that these disciples were experiencing. They were human just like you and I. In fact, it brings me to the reminder, maybe the question, can we all just admit for a moment that when we are struggling and going through storms, we don't always get it right. We don't always respond appropriately. Even if we knew, for example, a textbook answer, that doesn't mean that's how we're gonna respond. But because in those moments when we're grieving, in those moments when we're hurting, in those moments when we're looking at the storm and we feel overwhelmed, like water's taking in the, kind of overwhelming the boat, so to speak, it's in those moments that we respond oftentimes in our human nature, not by faith. Truth be told, if you look close at the disciples, I, begin, I think we see in them that when the storm came, they were quick and they were prone to begin to walk by sight and no longer walk by faith. And maybe it's just the imperfect preacher, but I can relate to that. Have you ever walked through a storm in such a way that you just felt numb, shocked, didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. So numb that you didn't even know how you were responding. You're just trying to keep breathing. The disciples are in a place of such sudden, unexpected uncertainty. And in the midst of this, we begin to see their problems. And frankly, I think as we study them, we begin to realize our own. Three things I want you to see that did first. In this storm, they felt helpless. Now, it's not wrong to feel helpless. But in this moment, they get to this place because of what's going on. Here they are in the boat, they're going their way, Jesus is asleep, and suddenly the storm comes. And suddenly the wind begins to beat against the, the waves, and the waves begin to beat against the boat, and suddenly the water begins to take into the boat, and here the disciples are in this moment. They were not new to storms. They were not new to the sea. 
They weren't new to the boat. These are experienced sailors. So they begin to do everything they can, but they suddenly realize they can't do enough. They can't change their situation. So here they are in this moment, I think in this situation, they're, they're trying to do all they can. They're redirecting the rudder and they're, and they're trimming the sails and they're trying to go a certain way to prevent the, the, the conflict, if you will, with the way. We're experienced sailors. We've got experience in life. We got wisdom and we can do this on our own. Waves began to crash into the boat and in my imagination, I can't help but to wonder if they're getting their pails and their, their buckets and they're beginning to bail out water as quickly as they can. And hey, no need to wake up Jesus. We got this. We can do this on our own. We, we've, we were experienced. We're grown men for crying out loud. We can handle this. Pull up our bootstraps. We got this. We're strong enough for this. They're working and they're working and they're working and suddenly realizing there's nothing they can do to change their situation. It wasn't until then that they realized how greatly they needed Jesus. I want you to see that they felt helpless. They couldn't change their situation. Secondly, they felt hopeless. They wake Jesus up, and suddenly we begin to see not only have they been facing this storm, but frankly, because they have been looking at the storm and focusing on the storm and not focusing on Jesus, they have been giving in now to all sorts of fears. Because as they give in to their fears, they begin to make false conclusions and false assumptions. They determine that the end is inevitable, there's nothing that can be done. And so when Jesus finally wakes up, they say to him, we are perishing, we are dying. The end, it draws near, here it is. They're so overwhelmed in this moment that they felt completely hopeless. They looked at their situation, the lack of their own ability, and they came to the conclusion that they were going to die. In other words, loud and clear, they were so consumed with fear because they had a lack of faith. They quit focusing on the fact that Jesus was with, him, with them. They quit focusing on the fact that Jesus was God in flesh. They quit focusing on the fact that if Jesus could raise the dead, then surely he could calm the sea. They concluded the outcome we're gonna die. Make no mistake about it, the greatest problem at hand was not the storm that was coming against them, but the lack of faith within them. Because they were walking by sight, leaning on their own understanding, they left God completely out of the equation. They came to the false assumption that they were gonna die, which led them to panic, it led them to worry, it led them to anxiety, and it led them to fear and all sorts of other unhealthy emotions. And by the way, we quickly and easily do the same. So I was like, Pastor, I can't relate. Well, I can relate. I'll be the only fallen one here today, okay? They felt hopeless. But finally, and here's where I want us to park for a moment. They felt hurt. They felt hurt. They didn't just wake up Jesus and say, Jesus, we're dying. They woke up Jesus and they asked a question that is very telling of what they felt in the moment. What was that question? Here it is. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Jesus, do you not care for us? 
Do you not care about this storm that we're facing? Do you not care about this evil that we've experienced? Do you not care about this anxiety? Do you not care about this conclusion? Do you not care? They'd gotten in the boat and began to make their way. Jesus, in a state of exhaustion, had gone into the bottom of the boat, and there he fell asleep. <laughs> it, it almost seems a bit careless if you're not careful thinking about that moment, but please understand, Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus knew who he was going to minister to on the other side of that sea. Jesus knew the storm. He knew how it was going to test their faith. And yet in that moment, he knew exactly what the disciples needed. And so here they are, they're asking that question. Jesus, do you not care about what we're experiencing? Do you not care about what we're walking through in the moment? Why have you been asleep? Where have you been? Could you not have already done something to spare us from this hurt and this pain and this hardship? I think the reality is oftentimes in these moments of storms, in these moments of suffering, the enemy often comes to us and convinces us of all these lies that, that God doesn't care and that God doesn't good and if he really was really good, then we wouldn't have these difficult things in life. But the reality is, it's in these moments of hurt and it's in these moments of pain, it's in these moments of uncertainty that we've got to run to Jesus, not away from him. There are times in our life that we experience hurt and hardship that hit us so deeply, it hits us at the core of who we are, and that hurt, it so deeply stings and wounds. And those hurts can stay with us. But Jesus offers hope and healing if we'll look to him. This past week on Tuesday afternoon, I had a, a very important meeting in as a result of that, I turned my phone off for a lunch meeting. My phone was off for the better part of three hours. When I got done with that meeting, I turned my phone back on and my phone was like probably yours. It was filled with text messages and emails and I came straight to the office. I walked into the office and I said, tell me everything you know. So I'm getting the information and almost instantly having the opportunity to pray with a dear family. And as I'm hearing the information in the news of what's going on, I, I literally for a moment just had to close my eyes because as I was hearing the information, my mind was going, I mean, like, like it was yesterday, was going back to 2006 when I was in Christiansburg, Virginia, and there was a tragedy that took place at Virginia Tech. And my mind was going back to the families and the officers that we were ministering to and the lives that were forever changed and my mind was going back to that moment and that hurt and that pain and that hurt has a way of staying with you. And yet in the midst of that hurt, if we will look to Jesus and recognize that he is still faithful and he's still present and he's still good and he's still gracious and he's still loving, we can call out to him. And in calling out to him, we begin to find that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So, so the reality was it wasn't until that moment that they begin to realize we can't do this on our own, Jesus. We can't fight this storm on our own, Jesus. We can't change this situation, Jesus. It wasn't until they cried out for him that they realized the fullness of his presence and the power of what he could do. The question for us is this, are we willing to trust Jesus and to cry out to him? Final thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see we, we have his peace in the storm. 
The disciples, man, they, they were wrong to doubt Jesus. They were human to lose sight of him in the midst of the storm. And they, I think they were wrong to, to, to doubt in such a way that they would question whether he even cared for them. But the one thing they did right was this. They called out to the right person. They woke him up. They called him. And in their realization of their need for him, Jesus intervened in an extraordinary way. I want you to see three things. I'm gonna say them quickly. First thing Jesus did is this. Jesus recognized their need. Jesus got up. The Bible never says they had to tell him about the storm. You get the impression that he already knew and he could clearly see the evidence. He recognized their need. As soon as they called upon him, he not only recognized their need, he identified with them in their need. It's a reminder for us today that every single one of us are called to and should, when we go through times of trial and adversity, and even beyond that, we should always cast our cares upon him. The world says, you can do this on your own. Be your own boss, do your own thing, you're sufficient, you do you. But God says, no, I love you, I created you, I sent Jesus to save you, and I will help you cast your cares upon me. Oddly enough, it was the same Simon Peter who would years later write, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety, all your cares, all your worries on him because he cares for you. Not only to recognize their needs, secondly, he rescued them from the storm. Jesus stands, he recognizes their need and speaks one phrase, really one primary word, hush. Or in the King James, peace. I like the word hush. I've got four kids. There's been a moment or two we're driving down the road and they're not being so angelic like their mother, they're being more stubborn like their father and there's a moment of contention and I have to say, hush. And because they're imperfect, they don't always obey. Maybe you don't have that struggle in your home, but anyway. Jesus looks at the wind and the waves and says, hush. And instantly, perfect peace, perfect calm. The storms that are raging in our hearts and life, our emotions, the storm that are raging in our minds that are keeping us up at night, Jesus can but speak the word, hush, and there can be peace. He rescued them from the storm. That does not mean that every storm is stopped quickly. That does not mean that there are not lingering effects and traumas. That does not mean that we do not need a support of friends and family and coworkers and Christian people in our life. That does not mean that we don't need counseling and help along the way. But it does mean that Jesus can speak peace into our hearts and lives. Philippians chapter four reminds us, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. God can give peace. 
Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is loved, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, then dwell on these things. And the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And what? The God of peace will be with you. The final thing Jesus did in this moment is this. He revealed their need through the storm. Remember, Jesus started by teaching them about faith. Now there was a testing, if you will, of their faith. But now they're learning the truth that faith is not a fact that we memorize. It's not a feeling that we just, oh, this feels so good, no. Faith is about actively and intentionally trusting God no matter the circumstance. Jesus calms the sea and the waves and he asks the question, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? In other words, he's calling to recognize that he is the Lord, he's the Prince of Peace, he has power and authority, and he can rescue them and give them peace even in the storm but they must believe in him. Jesus gets in the boat and they, Jesus calms the sea and then they say, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You know, as I was thinking about today and thinking about this week and thinking about the peace that Jesus brings to the life of every single person who trusts in him, I found myself going not to a new song or a new message, but to an old truth and to an old song. When I was growing up in Alabama, I grew up in a pastor's home. And in that pastor's home, I, I grew up watching my mom and hearing my mom play the piano just about every single Sunday. And so what that meant was, is that on Saturday, it meant a lot of things, but on Saturday night, that meant that my parents typically put, me, put us all to bed a little early. I was the oldest of four kids. And my mom would go sit at the piano where she would practice the songs before Sunday morning. And, and to be honest, as she would sit at the piano and she would play, I could always tell when it had been a tough week because she would play really hard and really fast. Like, ooh, don't go to your mama tomorrow. You know, it's been a, been a long week. But the truth is, as she would play and practice and prepare, somewhere in her practicing and prep preparing, it really became a private time of worship, worshiping Jesus. My bedroom was the first bedroom down the hallway on the right. The other side of that wall, when you first came in the entrance of our house, was the piano. And so I would lay in bed on Saturday night. They would think that I was asleep, but the truth is, I could hear every note my mama was playing, the good ones and the bad ones. <laughs> but somewhere she would play and that would become a time of private worship. I could always tell when it had been a time of difficulty and a storm because almost every time she would end at the same place. And as she was just worshiping Jesus, she just thought it was just her time with him. She had no idea how much her testimony and example 
was pointing me and probably my younger siblings still awake as well to where we need to go when the storms of life break loose. The song went like this. It was such a lovely day. The sun was shining bright. A gentle breeze was blowing my way. Not a storm cloud was in sight. Then suddenly, without warning, the clouds surrounded my life. But even in the storm, I can feel the calm. And here's the reason why. I know the peace speaker. And I know him by name. I know the peace speaker. He controls the wind and the rain. When he says peace, be still. They have to obey. Yes, I know the peace speaker, and I know him by name. There's never been another man with the power of this friend. By simply saying, peace, be still. He can calm the strongest winds. And that's why we need not worry when storm clouds come our way. We know that he is near to drive away our fears so we can stand and say, that I know the peace speaker and I know him by name. I know the peace speaker. He controls the wind and the rain. When he says, peace, be still, they have to obey. I'm glad I know the peace speaker. Yes, Jesus is his name. I... I'd hear my mama sing those words and frankly, I would see her example. Because there were a lot of hard weeks. But it was a living testimony for me of who to run to and where to go when the storms are going crazy. 
I want to ask you a question today. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Is is he in your boat? Is he the Lord and ruler and the captain of your ship? He can be if he's not by simply calling out to him and saying, Jesus, please save me. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, are you still focused on him or are you focused on the storm? Let's today walk by faith and trust him. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.